Did you know there's a difference between collectible and collectible? I didn't either, until I started putting this episode together. Collectable, with an A, refers to anything you can acquire, while collectible, with an I, refers to something highly valued or desired by collectors. For instance, Beanie Babies are collectable because you can buy them. Whereas nearly everything else is collectible by comparison because Beanie Babies are just shy of trash. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough Podcast. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie, and I'm going to be getting a lot of hate mail for that statement. My guest today is Dwayne Scott Cerny, founder and co-owner of the Broadway Antique Market, the oldest antique shop in all of Chicago. He is also the author of several books which have spent time as number one on bestseller lists and is here to talk about selling dead people's things, also known as antique dealing. I want to celebrate for a moment because this show has not only been on Podbean's featured podcast roster for over a month, but I've also been at the number one slot on their education page above other wildly popular shows such as Jordan B. Peterson. Uh, TED Talks Daily, B+, Duolingo, and numerous others for about a week now. That's absolute insanity to me, and it's starting to give me a bit of imposter syndrome because I can't believe that what I'm doing on this little show is reaching that many people. So, thank you. Honestly, and from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening. Now, let's look at our storage and figure out what junk we can get rid of. Welcome to the show, Dwayne Scott Searney. Got it. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks for having me, Colton. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, why don't you give a little introduction of what you do and who you are for the audience that's listening? So I am an author and antique dealer. I own, uh, I co-own the Broadway Antique Market in Chicago, which is now the oldest and largest antique store in the city. Uh, I think we started in 1988, something like that, <laughs> um, pre, pre-internet. Um, and let's see, so about, um, uh, I've been writing things for really my entire life and I've got a, you know, a trunk full of projections for all kinds of things. And I've had a couple plays produced and s- stories published and about, but I never wrote about um, what I do. And um, I took a, a writing class, uh, which was kind of by invitation only. And um, actually back up on that one, I was invited to be participate in this writing class. And uh, uh, Gretchen Cryer is the, the woman who uh, has these classes. And I turned her down. I just had a scheduling thing and I couldn't do it. And uh, a year later, my things are opened up and I gave her a call and I said, I, you know, you probably don't remember me. And she says, oh, yeah, I remember you. You turned me down. Nobody turns me down. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out since that was the, uh, uh, the, the summer of Hurricane Sandy, the season of Hurricane Sandy. So I uh, moved to New York for like six weeks and very intense writing class. It should have been a uh, it should have been a reality show because I, uh, you'd have to write there. You couldn't prepare anything. You couldn't bring a laptop with. You just had to write there. 
And she, there were exercises like, you know, she'd say, write down the three most horrible things that ever happened to you in your life. And then she'd go around the circle and she'd say, I want 10 minutes of number two. I want 10 minutes on number one. And then you'd write it and then you'd really read it or, or perform it. And every week somebody dropped out wow. every week because it was some very powerful stuff because it had to be all true. This is not a fiction class. It had to be all true. Um, but people are writing about, oh my gosh, I mean, uh, alien abductions and, and drug overdoses. And, uh, you know, I mean, it could laugh at one of them, I suppose. Um, but serious, really serious stuff. And uh, uh, I was thought I was doing really well. <laughs> and there were some very high powered people. There were people there who had books on the New York Times bestseller list. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just this guy from Chicago, you know. <laughs> And uh, I don't know, about the fourth week or something, and you're, you're kind of like, they, they ranked you. You always wanted to be in that top three. And the fourth, fifth week, something like that, I did a story and I wrote about what had happened to me at an estate sale. And everyone afterwards said, bullshit, <laughs> including the instructor. You can't write fiction and all this. I said, no, 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 this really happened. I have, there were other people there. Um, and I, and I failed. I absolutely failed. And I think this is a good life lesson. And it was like, geez, I was doing so well in this class. And I did get through it. It was a wonderful class. Um, but I went back to Chicago and I was like, damn it. <laughs> that was the one thing I should have been able to pull off. I, I couldn't. Um, so I rewrote it and I rewrote it and rewrote it. And a total lark, absolute lark. Um, I sent it in the New York Times and I hadn't submitted anything for years because nobody's going to publish me. Um, and darn if they didn't publish it. <laughs> and that was called Traces of a Man Who Disappeared. Oh. So if anybody wants to Google it, it's out there on, uh, in, the, in the internet, uh, certainly on the New York Times uh, website, Traces of a Man Who Disappeared. Um, and it turned out to be rather controversial, uh, I think because of it in point of time, the topic. I don't want to give too much away, but it's a, a definitely a story about um, uh, sexual identity, and not 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 a gay straight thing either. Just sexual identity in general. Um, so I got a lot of attention from it, uh, and I thought, you know, <laughs> maybe there's something to this. And I started just really googling around and looking around, and I thought. Well, I'm sure there must be antique dealers who've written memoirs about what they do and all that. And I really couldn't find anything. Um, the uh, closest thing, there was a British uh, dealer in like the 70s wrote some memoir, which is, you know, and you know, the Brits, everything's better there anyway, right? So Antique Roadshow starts there. Everything, everything good starts <laughs> there first. And I was really surprised. And so... Um, that became the opening chapter to a book I called Selling Dead People's Things. Um, uh, and that has just gone on to be, yeah, I think I've lost count now how many times. Uh, it's, hit, it's hit number one in the antique collectibles, uh, like three or four times USA and Canada sold all over the world because of, you know, Amazon, anybody can just get an ebook or whatever. Um, and to this day, I, I, I sell copies every day of that book. And I think it's because, <laughs> um, one, I'm a bit of a storyteller and these are all true stories. They're all things that happened to me, you know, like, believe it or not. Um, but it's not about money. At most every book in the, in the business, I don't mind talking about money. 
um, but most every every book that's online is about what identifying what something is and what it's worth, right? And the first part interests me, and the second one really doesn't. <laughs> um, what interests me were the people and why they collected what they collected. And I always say I can go to 500 estates and I don't have any stories. I didn't learn anything. I might have bought something. Maybe I didn't. And the 501st, boom, <laughs> it comes a story that I, you know, I've got my little notebook out. Um, so it's pretty much how the, the first book uh, came about. And I will say for anyone listening that goes on to look up your books, uh, the cover art is fantastic because both of them that I have looked at, like immediately grab your attention. Like, what is that? What am I looking at? <laughs> like they are, they are some great cover art that you chose to use for those books. Um, uh, th thank you. Um, well, you got to get uh, uh, people's attention and I'll tell you this. So the cover of, I'd say this, people go, what? <laughs> the cover of selling dead people's thing is actually, I licensed it from a set of dishes. Oh, yes. So anyone can go online to there's an Etsy dealer and by the name she goes by the name of Beat Up Creations. And she's I stumbled on her and I just loved her stuff. It's very dark. It's very, very dark. And uh, that was actually on a, on a can you imagine eating, <laughs> eating off a plate like that. Right. Um, and then we had to tone it down because my production people were like they, nobody wanted to do it. They all said, you're out of your mind. And I said, well, we'll make it less bloody, you know. And the, it's funny, I, I've, now that it's been out for a while, the responses I've gotten, uh, a number of people say that it's, it's reminiscent of a, like American Gothic. Yeah, it is very, like, kind of an American Gothic. It reminds me of that, like, you know, silver print old camera style picture, yeah. but, like, very updated to, like, a horror chic Right. <laughs> and I, ch I chose that one because the first book, um, it, it, and again, it just, it just kind of went that way as I'm like telling my story is what, you know, basically from, a, you know, from a kid, uh, you know, basically selling other kids toys off my parents' porch, you know, uh, and I was selling Playboy magazines in high school out of my locker. <laughs> I was always, I always had some side gig. It was easier than, uh, a paper route. And that was just me. I always had some little, 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 little business going. And then as I got into this further <laughs> um, and having a, having a store, et cetera, uh, and going to these sales every once in a while, there would be some, you know, again, it's kind of a rarity, but we're talking about decades. Um, there'd be some paranormal story there would be something that would happen that even other people would be there going well we don't understand why that is but this happened um and some things that i witnessed and a lot of it that that people would tell me about and then i'd kind of go back to documenting it um so there ends up being like half a dozen paranormal stories uh in in the book so that's why the cover really fit and you know and it's not the, and the book itself isn't gory it's certainly to get your 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 attention but it it's uh it's 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 spooky um and also i kind of wanted to get it out of the way those stories they just fit together well um and uh and then kind of be done with it yeah so. sure yeah no it's great but what got you like obviously the side gig is always great and like you said better than a paper route 
um, what got you into like picking up these these antiques or these collectibles that people had just like accrued over time? I, I, it's just, I think it's a simple answer. And a lot of young, young people will relate to this. I had no money. <laughs> I'm in you know, college and I'm gonna have my first apartment and I don't have any money. And so I would find things in the alley. <laughs> Why did they throw that chair out? Oh, there's a trunk. You know, if there isn't a body in it, you know, we'll take it back. Uh, and thrifting, I'm just going to thrift stores again, not having any money, you know, 90 cent Klaasnomi shirt. Um, <laughs> that's really what it was. And then, I, you know, my mother was always, my mother was throwing out, donating things all the time. My mother was just donating things all the time. And I always said, I think I lost, I think I lost a dog in the basement once. She was just, it was, if something hit the basement, she was, the Salvation Army was coming over. So she was a big donator. And I'd be, no, 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 I, you know, I, I want that floor lamp. I want that sofa. So my first apartment was all this 50s kitsch, you know, and we're talking, I was eight, 1980, something like that. So, you know, so I didn't have any money. And I think a lot of, and even to this day, I'm sure you know, you know, young, young people, that's how they, that's how they decorate, you know, and it's more like, you know, if you, 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 you stumble on something or somebody's going to give something away, you'll say, well, I'll take this now. And this is good enough for now. And then later I'll get a kitchen table. So I got a folding table now, but I'll get a real dinette table, you know, later. Um, and I never really liked the whole, see, there wasn't back then, there wasn't like Ikea and things like that. And uh, I'm kind of glad to see that people have turned away from that uh, because every, I always say, you know, then everybody's house and apartment looks the same because they all got their crap at Ikea and Target. Um, but when you do vintage and there's lots of resources all over the place, buying things online or in stores like mine or whatever, you develop your own taste and your own style. And it says a lot about you. And that's the other thing I think in, in, in my writing, which I've just kind of realized, you know, I would say if I, if, you know, Colton, if I go to your apartment and I look around I'm going to be, you know, nothing got there by coincidence. You picked it out or it was given to you. Um, it, there's a, there's a story behind many, many things. Right. Uh, and this could be, well, this was from, you know, a relationship I had and they left these things and you know, on and on. It's, it's, it, you know, it's really kind of interesting, but it, there's no, uh, there's no coincidences of these things. It says a lot about, you know, what, uh, who you are, even if you're not necessarily into antiques and collectibles, these things tend to kind of kind of weasel their way <laughs> into your, into your life. They certainly do. I remember being like the broke college kid that furnished an entire place from Goodwill. And that is the biggest just mishmash of stuff you'll ever exactly, find. Exactly, right? Yeah. There's some, a, of it, some of it I still have. Like, some of you found, still have, yeah. I found yeah. some tables and like, you know, just different stuff that I was like, I love this stuff and I don't really want to get rid of it now because like I've enjoyed it. Even if I thought like that very same thought you said where I'm like, I'll get something better down the road. Now I'm like, I don't need anything better but just to make it match. No. And you know, generally, you know, the, the, and when I say older, yeah, which is, I'm glad I'm still, I'm glad I'm, I'm, I'm in the business that I could long enough that I could say this. Cause when I was certainly like first selling in the you know eighties, um, late eighties, early nineties, this, this fifties kitsch, and I would get so much blowback from dealers, you know, it's just garbage, it's crap. And, da, 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 da. and the thing is, but the things in the 50s were made well, 
things in the 40s were made, what you could just go back, right? Um, things in the 80s and 90s, not so much. Right? <laughs> or, and what, what you can buy now, I mean, kind of go, I don't want to go keep knocking Ikea, we can, let's say Wayfair, I don't know. Um, but something, you know, that it just may not last that long. Let's just throw that out there. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, you got something from, from, the, from the Goodwill and it was 30 years old then and it's 50 years old now and you still have it. So well, it's the thing. It's the difference between a product made of real wood and nails and screws there you go. versus something, you know, made of melamine and press board that, <laughs> and, and, that barely considers painted. Like yeah, exactly. And like, yes, recycle chicken parts. I mean, Lord knows what's in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, make sure you don't set your glass on it because you'll melt the whole table. Right. <laughs> um, but again, I, I'm re- I think it's just great that people kind of have figured that out now. You know, I mean, Ikea is great. Go buy all the spatulas you want. You know, um, there, there's lots of things there that are that are absolutely wonderful. But um, uh, you, when it comes to furnishings and these are things you know, this is these are things that you live with. And, and I'm very happy, really, really very happy when I talk to people and they say, you know, like half my house is from your store um, and has been for and here and here's. Oh my God, at this point, here are my kids, here are my grandkids, you know, shoot me. But you do this long enough. Um, uh, I love that because it's in my own way, you know, I've touched their lives, you know, appropriately. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's cool. I think that's, I think that's just, I think that's just so cool. It's something that they use every day and, you know, they have, they have friends over and they go, you know, where did you get this? And, uh, um, and it starts, it opens up a whole dialogue of, again, as we were talking earlier, um, you know, about what people collect and why they collect it. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's about, it defines who you are. And perhaps my, people might think in a minor way, but I don't really think it's all that minor. I think it's a lot more significant than we, than we give ourselves credit for. Because in the end, and there's always an end, <laughs> um, there's going to be this collection of stuff and people are going to go, who was this person and why did they have these things and what are we going to do with it? Um, and, and that's a good conversation, you know, uh, to be had. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, as like uh, morbid as it may be for some people to think about, like I have never felt more connected like to my grandfather than when I was going through his stuff after he mm. passed away. Because I looked at and I'm like, man, look at some of the things he did that we never talked about or some of the things he was into that like I never knew he was into. And we both like this thing or it's something I want to get interested in. Like that's that's really a moment where you get to learn about somebody, even though they're not with you anymore. Because the objects speak to you. Yeah. Right. And it kind of can fill in the blank of like, oh, yeah, he was in the service. Oh, yeah, he lived here and he was really into, you know, woodworking or, you know, camping or fishing or something going like, oh, yeah, right. Um, but that's again, that's the kind of thing that, you know, connects the, the generations. And that's that's really lovely. That's that's it's great to have that that appreciate that. And that says a lot about you. It says yeah. a lot about you as opposed to just like, you know, how much is this worth, you know? What, is it, what can I get for this pocket watch? What about the connection here? Yeah, it's definitely different when people are just like rummaging through the house. Like how much are all these appliances worth versus the person like going through a photo album? 
yeah. and you're like look at the pictures though and it's like yeah. but those aren't worth anything i want the fridge like okay <laughs> take the fridge i don't care about the fridge <laughs> like, uh, uh listen there'll, there'll be sales where people will be fighting over aluminum foil you know and <laughs> so, I mean, the things you were going to throw out they're like well, yeah, yeah, yeah. um it's it's a it's a very it's a it's a very crazy uh business thankfully i you know, i'm generally i'm either brought in before <laughs> um so i brought in early or i'm brought in afterwards and i could go in during the middle and i really prefer not to and i I'm gonna be, this goes out awful, but I kind of don't have to by this point, because again, the internet, if, if somebody has these things for sale, they've sent me pictures, I can buy them, I could send movers over, they pick it up. Um, but to actually, you know, get down in the weeds in estate sales, it's kind of really never been my thing. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not aggressive enough. And you need to be, you really need to be, you really need to be aggressive. Um, and that's just not my, uh, that's that's not that's just not my thing no i get it um when you look at you know people's estate sales do you often see like just a metric ton of one specific type of thing like oh they used to collect oh marbles and they have 500 pounds of marbles now. absolutely that i i I write about that more in uh, the first book in, in selling dead people's things although there is a chapter in the second book um uh then it's confidential which is this and that's uh tales of the monkey girl and it's about um it was a, actually it's about a, a friend of mine and those are the hardest things to write about honestly it's like if, if i don't know someone and i've just you know like you're saying i just kind of stumble onto this it's just like well i'm trying to be the detective you know when you know someone and you're asked to process their estate it's really tough it's 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 like a it's like a funeral that goes on for weeks. I don't, know, I don't know any other way to explain it, but she collected monkeys and it was monkeys, monkey everything. And you just kind of would even, couldn't even imagine what all, I mean, there's monkey furniture, there's monkey rugs, there's monkey clothes, there's monkey ceramics, um, there's monkey art, on and on and on and on and on and on. So there's just hundreds of, you know, things. And they had to have a tail. <laughs> she was very strict about this. Um, and she's a, she was a, a, a lovely person. And then I, I mean, I was brought in to deal with, you know, the estate and all the, all the new monkeys, um, we donated to, uh, I think it was a Jewish thrift store, um, that seemed to be appropriate. Um, and then the rest I sold for, for the estate. Um, and so we would, we have a, we'd have a whole showcase of monkeys. That being said, <laughs> We have had showcases of fill in the blank. Um, owls, owls are a big thing. That's a big mid-century thing. I don't really know why, but it is. And uh, that was one I was actually kind of talked into buying because I just didn't want to do, you know, you got to wrap up 200 of these damn owls. <laughs> it's just, I don't, do I really have the time for this? So like, well, if I'm buying them, you know, and they were good, good, but, but I was sold every one of them. Not only did I sell every one of them, but for months people would come in and say, where's, Where's the owl case, right? And we don't have any more of them. It was like that we were still going to have them. Like you know, we're again, we're not IKEA. Yeah, I can't I go like- in the back room and get bring out more. You know, I, this 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 is what we have. But <laughs> flamingos, yeah, there've been marbles. Uh, um, gosh, there have been so so many really uh, uh, 
strange things. Um, there was a guy with coasters, but it would be just individual coasters, six inch advertising rulers. Six, okay. Think about, <laughs> think about that. And I used to joke with him when he would come in and I'd say, um, uh, cause he, and I sold him a ton. Oh my God. Cause I saw over the years and he was just, you know, searching the country for advertising and it would be, he would know which ones he had, which ones he didn't, you know, and um, I've had people come in with spreadsheets of for their collection and to make sure that this is that this or the this one's in better condition than the one I have at home, so I'm going to buy it. Um, I used to joke that I why can't I just like cut a 12 inch ruler in half and sell it to you twice? Um, <laughs> doesn't work that way. Uh, but um, so yes, yes. But it's the it's I go back to this why though why <laughs> yeah. the monkeys because I knew her and I think it was somebody gave her a monkey. And she just liked it. <laughs> and um, I know she was a big sponsor of the zoo and donate, she would donate money to the zoo. And it was just, I think part of it too with monkeys, you know, let's be honest, they're kind of awful. You know, I mean, you look at them and they're throwing their crap at you and, you know, uh -huh. just, it's the way they didn't take, they just don't take any shit. And I, I think that was her. I think she just liked that kind of, you know, they just did what they want. And uh yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm riffing here, but I don't know. I know that's how it started. And then you said the obsession, the, the advertising rulers, I think it definitely had to come by the, the companies. And he was fascinated with the companies. Uh, I know somebody else who collects department store memorabilia. Um, and in that he's fascinated with, and, and like globally, I mean, he'll know there was a department store in pre-war Germany that was sold the best of the best. And, you know, he's, and so any kind of postcard he can get from there, um, just very specific. And he, again, he's, I haven't sold these things. I know of his collection. He has an encyclopedic mind when it comes to department stores um, and who bought, what company bought out, what company. And, and um, now he used to work for Carson Peary Scott, I think at one point. So that may be where that came from. Um, and he's, he really enjoys his international heritage. So I think uh, uh, he's, he's part German. So I, I think part of it goes back to that. And uh, it's really history, you know? So um, I'm still digging into why. The, the why. <laughs> I'll, I'll, never, I'll never completely know. I, obviously everybody has their own reasons. Um, but, uh, and then some people I can ask and they don't even know why they just, they just do. Yeah. I mean, I had a, uh, the unofficial Coca-Cola historian on and talk about one of those things. I don't understand why people collected it. I'm like, why, why Coca-Cola? Like, it's weird to be so fanatical about a drink. Yeah. And that was one of the things he talked about. He's like, oh, it's not about the drink. It's about how involved they were in so many communities that now people who live in those towns just grow up with like, oh, there's three buildings in town that are painted with Coca-Cola murals. So it's just a part of my life and I grew up with it. And it's like, oh, well, that makes a lot more sense than being really interested in the soda. <laughs> but then it's like by, by buying a Coke item of, and let's say a vintage Coke item. I don't understand the reproduction stuff, except that the real stuff's so expensive. But, but by buying 
a sign or a tray. Let's go with the tray. You get to bring part of that home with you. So then that those murals that are on the wall, they stay on the wall, but this you can look at all the time and maybe use it or play with it or, you know, whatever it, I think it brings a, it brings it closer, you know, to home and then it's yours. Like, right. They can't, they can't take it away. They can't take it away from you. But yeah, once you go down that rabbit hole, uh, it's, it's go here. I'm sure he was fascinating. Um, And then the history of Coke. I mean, just as I get again, as a business, um yeah yeah they they have a, a very interesting yeah history of pharmacies and you know just uh yeah well and they didn't even generally do their own product like they owned their formula and they just right. anybody, anybody that listens to the episodes like oh i heard all this um but it makes me think like coca-cola collectible stuff is extraordinarily successful for the people who have collected it like they have had a massive return on their uh, investment yeah yeah. Is there yeah. a pretty common like, oh, these are the things that no matter how much time has passed, like are always good to collect? Well, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, no matter what it is, and let's assume, though, that it's vintage and that it's not new. We just sure. want to state that because, yeah. Um, and I understand, you know, there's well, I don't understand, but you can go into, you know, there's the the rare Pokemon card and all that. So, and I know, I know like almost nothing about that, that, um, except what I've learned from 20 year olds who, you know, <laughs> understand the world better than I do. Uh, I'd say no matter what it is that you're going to collect, that the condition of it has to be just pristine. So if someone's going to buy a vintage Coke sign from the thirties, it's all about condition. And it's going to be what, that's what's going to hold its value is that there's just nothing that you know, very little, let's say, that someone could complain about. You know, it hasn't been repainted. It's not rusted. It's not cracked. It's not split. Uh, if there's any documentation that goes with it, we just want it. But I think generally, you know, is is it, 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 it always comes back to condition. And you know, let's say, let's say it's a first edition book. It's going to be that same answer. It's going to be that. It's going to be the condition of it. Um, that it's the it's the original dust jacket and it's not split and you know uh, is it signed by the author and blah 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 blah. Um, so you know, and that said, there are things that are just they can be pristine, but if it's something that for I don't want to say inexplicable reasons, let me put it this way: not everything can be popular at once, and the antique business certainly has had themes and trends let's say let's say trends that's a better word uh back in the 80s uh arts and crafts big boom of frank white wright and stickley and uh, limbert and there's auction houses there's still auction houses that sell those those things you know uh barbara streisand bought a frank white wright dining room set and that kind of like boom you know that was the market then um it's still a strong market not, I don't really think like what it was. However, if I go back to condition and rarity, you know, that limber chair, they only made for, you know, an hour and a half on a, on a Thursday in, <laughs> in, in 1910, you know, um, and it's still got the paper, paper label on the bottom or something. So that's like that, that certainly had its ride. Uh, we were just talking about mid-century modern. Oh my gosh, the prices that have been set. I thought it was funny when, you know, again, we're just going to say 20 years ago, watching the Antique Roadshow, and they slowly started showing really rare mid-century modern 
coffee tables or a chair or something. And then telling the backstory of it's all this architect designed. It all came, comes down to who made it, who designed it. Um, and if you think about it, it's what would really follow, well, almost parallel to that is the whole designer clothes, right? Um, it's, 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 a, it's a brand. It's a recognizable uh, uh, brand. And there are things that, um, oh, uh, there was a line of furniture, which I just loved. And it was called Memphis, called Memphis and Memphis Italian Design. Uh, Ruthless People, remember that movie Ruthless People yeah. back in the day? It, the whole thing is, 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 uh, is, is Memphis, so Bette Midler. Um, but the house is all Memphis, very colorful, very, very it's all crap. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It didn't last. It just didn't last. It's because it was it was badly made, but there are really rare pieces if the condition is still there, you know. And Memphis is just it's really just it's like it's like art. I mean, it really, it really is. Should people should Google what Memphis just? It's crazy stuff. Just just over it's it's, it's over the top. Um, but serious collectors are definitely into name designers of, of uh, Aero Saarinen, I could just go on and on. Um, uh, it's, who, it's who designed it. And even when I'm selling something, who designed it, how long was it made, back to condition. Um, but when Antique Roadshow started showing and I said, okay, they get it. I'm no longer selling 50 shit <laughs> as I've been accused of for, for you know 20 years. The market is there. I'm not the only one hardly, but, but the coast certainly got it. And you know, Chicago is always like eh, 18 months to you know, two years behind it. Um, but we were selling to dealers, and I still sell to dealers. So I have dealers that would fly into Chicago, shop, have lunch, and then go back to New York. And then we just ship the stuff. And I've been doing that for decades um, because they could get better, you know, money there. Um, there's not as much of that because you can do it on the internet. You know, they don't have to come, but, you know, there's always great places for lunch in Chicago. So I yeah, I bring them back. Yeah, a little benefits there. Mm -hmm. um, so when people do collect these things and you're saying, you know, condition is so important. What are the things, what are the common things I think people are just absolutely screwing up when they like, oh, I'm going to buy this thing that I think will be popular and I think it'll be important and I'm going to store it. Is it like, oh, I stored it underneath a bunch of boxes in my attic and, it, you know, the attic leaks. Is that yeah. like, you know, what are they doing that messes up their own mm -hmm. uh, collecting? Yeah, I mean, taking care of things is certainly important. And w water is an evil across the board, <laughs> yeah. especially for ephemera, but really for, you know, pretty much pretty much anything. I mean, I always go back to this. You should buy things because you love it. And it speaks to you and there's a reason that, you know, it should be in your life and that it's not, you know, not an investment. In the back of people's heads, I think they go and they tell themselves, well, I'm splurging on this because I know this is going to be worth money in the future. I don't know why they think that. <laughs> um, again, there are certain there are certain categories that you know really hold their value or increase in value the big interest in pens. It's hard to keep pens in vintage pens. Guys love vintage pens, watches. Um, those are the kind of things that are, you know, you, if, if you, if you buy it right, you're going to be okay. I'm always like, if you got your money back out of it 20 years later, that's pretty damn good. But um, 
but I think buying buying with the idea that you're going to make money on something is like we referenced all earlier about you know the beanie baby craze. That's really what was wrong with it. it, it the thing it, it was a it was a swindle from the beginning. It was set up. It was brilliant. It's a brilliant swindle. Should have been our swindle, but it was somebody else's. Um, I mean, that's one of those that they pitched like, oh, all of these are collectible. Yeah, you're literally selling a brand new product as right. if it were like an antique collectible, and they're right. like, "Well, we're only going to make so many of these because so you have to then buy they're going to re- retire them." Yeah, right. That, that was that was where that phrase came from. It's been out for two or three years now. We're going to retire Celo the Seal. Um, yeah, like oh, that was again. You, you know, it was brilliant. But I I am proud to say that I never sold them in my store. I never allowed them in my store. I never sold them. I wouldn't sell them <laughs> because it was just recognizable as that. You know, this is different from, we. and here, here we sell lots of kitschy stuff. Oh my God, oh, that's, my life is kitschy stuff. Um, but, you know, college kids come in and we'll, you know, we'll sell, you know, McDonald's glasses from the seventies or eighties, you know, cause they got star Wars on them and it's from 1988 or whatever. That's different because those those giveaway things, you know, um, and now it's hardly not a giveaway. You know, we're selling them for 10 bucks a pop or whatever. Um, to, to me, that's a, that's more of a, a an honest market as opposed to nobody was giving away Beanie Babies. You were buying these Beanie Babies. I mean, McDonald's had their thing with that for a while, but um, it's it just it just crashed and burned. One of my favorite stories, if I may, <laughs> is uh, and again following trends. There's there's these there are trends, and they just happen. And it's, I, you know, I like I always say, I don't make the market. I'm just like anybody else. I'm just trying to pay attention. I'm trying to remain conscious. Um, <laughs> so the whole um, Pee Wee Hermit is a great example of that. That oh my gosh, you know, to get a cherry in the box and whatever. I mean, at its peak. Uh, he, he, he was an empire. I mean, he really was. It was making insane, insane money. You got the movie. You got the movies. You got the TV show. You all the licensing, right? And he's. It's just rocking and rolling. And then we know what happened. We don't have to go into, the, into those details. So, I had a dealer <laughs> when this happened, and she says, she says, um, she goes, "This is this is this is great. This is this is just great." I said, "How is this great?" And she goes, "No, they're." People are absolutely going to freak out over over this, and she would go to. She got out her little map there and uh, was going to all the um, Toys R Us stores because they were just dumping the stuff. The Pee Wee Pee Wee stuff was just, I mean, in the in the dumpster, right? Yeah. But that's always like you got to get it right then because Lord knows what else is in the dumpster prior. Hopefully, nothing wet or smelly, right? And she shows up at my store with a van a van full of all the stuff that she got for free. And she was fighting other people who figured that out too. So they just cleared the shelves. It's like, we are not selling this stuff at at all. She made a small fortune on that. That was brilliant. And we, you know, so over, over a couple of weeks, and then the thing is, you don't have those anymore. It's oh, we don't have those anymore. And that was now certainly that's over. You know, there's still a market on eBay for, you know, whatever um, from, from Pee Wee Herman, but but I think that's a good example of a trend that you could never have foreseen. And yet there's people who made like a, a lot of money in that secondary market. Um, the people paying just obscene amounts of money 
um, to get these things that really, um, well, you're, you know, it's, you, you can't, you can't make that stuff up. You know, yeah. you, just, you just have to be like aware of what's going on and, and, and pray you're right. Yeah. Well, it seems very similar. And I think this is probably the only like, you know, purchasing an antique or a collectible that advice that I have ever heard. And they said, just don't buy it after the person dies, because that is like its highest the price point will ever be is like right after that person dies. So there was somebody, I think I was watching a TV show where they were like, oh, that's this, you know, Michael Jackson thing. And Michael Jackson, I mean, now has been dead for what, two decades or something. Um, And this was five or six years ago. And they were like, when did you buy this? Because they said, this is the price like I bought it for. And they said, when did you buy it? And they were like, oh, well, the same week he died. Like I right. bought it after his death and they were like, yeah, you'll never get that price back. Yeah. Like you bought during the craze of selling. Right. Right. Uh, see, I don't see anything wrong with that because I'm the guy and with all the other guys and gals <laughs> who are selling those, yeah. um, we had, I had a dealer, uh, who, um, we used, we used to joke because I mean, if, if I don't, you know, I don't, let's just, I'm trying to think, uh, uh, yeah, it almost is like what celebrity isn't looking too good these days, right. you know, like somebody, some, somebody's on the way out. Um, and darn, if like that next day, if he didn't have some stuff out there, he went through his things and he found something. Um, and yeah, and then there's people who are you know, running in to buy it. That's when that's when there's the demand for it. Um, uh, prior, it'd be now. I mean, Michael Jackson is like exceptional in that because of, you know, such a star. Um but these things could be, you know, I mean, Don Knotts dies, I mean, whatever. And then there's, well, Don Knotts did some uh, 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 print ads for some products or a car or something. Um, the people running in for Don Knotts memorabilia. I mean, you got to love it. You know, those, yeah. um, but, and again, that's one of those, that's one of those trends. Uh, yeah. I mean, you never know who's going to, gonna, you know, hit the floor. Um, uh, it's a, that's where it is a, another odd odd part of the business for sure yeah so let me ask you about another one i have seen i mean it's very similar to like a pokemon card to me anyway because i'm not a card collector in any shape or fashion but people for the last you know what 70 years or so have been collecting like baseball cards and i've been to a couple of like auctions where they're just selling trunks full of baseball cards and people generally just overlook them entirely if they have a level of experience cuz they're like most baseball cards are worthless um is that fairly true or do you see people that just come in with a a giant trunk and they're like are all of these valuable <laughs> um yeah people just tend to assume that there's you know they just know that there's got to be a couple that are going there's so many I'm bringing in 10,000 cards. There have to be, you know, 25 of them that are, that are, that are worthwhile. And part of this is you got to sit down and research this stuff. Um, I, I, I don't deal with it. I just send it right to a baseball guy. Um, football cards, the same thing. I think we are, we actually gave a whole bunch of football cards going, I'm not dealing with this. Uh, and I like ephemera, but not, 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 not to that extent. Um, yeah, there's just, so much and then the market is is so uh 
insane. And that's the difference between when things are going to auction. You know, I mean, there you can hit a crazy price if two people want something, <laughs> right? Um, that's that's yeah. Um, and then you know we're gonna gonna get into non tangible fungibles or whatever. <laughs> I think I had that for lunch. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, like, uh, and I mean, we we shall see. We shall see where that you know where 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 where, where that that where that market goes. Um, but people tend to think, yeah, you know, they have gold. And I was I was once told by uh, I, I I'm a. Uh, contacted fairly regularly from uh, 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 people who write columns about the antique business and they get stumped on something. And again, I'm no appraiser. I just seen a lot of stuff. And the one woman, one woman uh, who writes for USA Today, she says, uh, she says, your greatest talent is uh, um, uh, telling people the, the worst news in the best possible way. <laughs> I think that's still. I think that should be on my on my tombstone <laughs> because it's just kind of bringing down expectations of okay, like chill now, right? Let's yeah. let's really look at this. Um, and I mean, and every once in a while, there is a surprise in things, for, you know, for sure. Um, um, jewelry is one of those things. Somebody can come in with a whole bag of jewelry, um, and of course, you know, if there's gold, well, there there you go. You know, there's you know there's the value. Um, but again, uh, lots of people like designer things. So it's an Eisenberg earrings. And so, well, now they're not $10 for the pair. They're $45. Um, uh, Elsa Peretti, you know, go down the who was, uh, uh, I'd say, mentored by Warhol, which I did not know until recently. And she's brilliant. She was brilliant. And then she went on her own and boom. Um, so there's these little kind of subsets of, you know, collecting, um, that until you start like just, you know, digging into the details of, of, of something and then realizing how did this item get here? Who, again, who, 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 who designed it? Um, so I think those are the sleepers that kind of come through. I'm sure they're answering your question, but, but, you know, again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not the baseball card guy, so. No, it's just something I was curious about because I have seen, you know, like I said, I've seen some people overlook them entirely yeah. where they're like, they, they take a half a glance. They see that the, this whole box is full of baseball cards. They like roll their eyes and walk away. <laughs> and then there's somebody who's brand new to the area and they like run over and they, they grab onto that box as tight as they can. They like try and hide it under a jacket. Right. Right. Well, the first guy is probably me who's going, how many other people have gone through this box already, right? Unless you're really, the, I don't know where this box would be, but if it's at a show, everybody and their brother's been through it. And if it's a state sale, there's probably half a dozen people been through it. One of my favorite stories on this, it kind of relates, is I did a, uh, 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 a World's Fair show. Uh, so it's a Century of Progress 18, and from 1933 and a Columbian Exposition 1893 that they have here in town. It's really a good show. It's a small show. I mean, that's a pretty specific interest and it brings a lot of old timers. Oh my gosh. You know, um, but, uh, but since uh, devil in the white city came out, there's interest in 1893 world's fair. Eventually there's going to be some movie they're working on it. Um, so <laughs> I do a show with a friend of mine and we've got a table and then there's a guy next to next to us and he's got a corner booth. This is old guy <laughs> and it's set up. And he's just like, he's got his cart 
and he's just it's, it's he's just beat. He's a typical dealer, just yeah. tired, and you know, on, on six cups cups of coffee and uh, half a dozen donuts, and uh, dragging in his cart of boxes. Okay, well, it's gonna be interesting. Let's see what he's got. Now we're set up. We got our tablecloth and our display, and you know, we gotta gotta do it because it's, it's what you do. You know, it's display. Yeah, it's all song and dance. <laughs> it's it's what you do. It's you set it up so it looks nice, so people see things. You got real risers, and you know, this, you know, you don't want to be a this guy. <laughs> this guy pulls his boxes into the middle of the booth, opens the boxes up, but doesn't take anything out. And then sits on a chair with a giant can of cashews. I will never forget this. I can still smell these like five pounds of cashews. And he just sat there, you know, in his chair. I'll give you the visual, someone like falling over in their chair, right? For two days. And everybody who came through would be, can I go through the box? Oh, yeah, go through the box. And people would go through the box and every, really every person, for the most part, thought they were the first ones to go through the box, boxes. And he's got wads of cash. He is selling like crazy. He's eating cashews. Yeah, he, he cleaned up. We did okay, but not great. And it was like, oh my gosh, this goes against everything you would do at a show about how you set up at a show. And I asked the promoter and he says, I don't even bother with him. He just, we, he can let him do what he wants. Um, but I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting because that goes to your point of like the first person is, who's digging through the box thinks it's a virgin box. No one else so has seen this stuff before and they've just hit the mother load. Right. Um, except they've been there the hundredth person that afternoon. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's, I mean, you have things like that every once in a while. Like I've had somebody walk through and look at something I had and they're like, oh, this is uh, like, this is really rare. I can't believe you have this. And I'm like, I don't even remember where I got it. And I haven't touched it in probably two years. Like mm-hmm. if I was moving, it would probably go in a box to get donated. And they're like, oh, you should sell that. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, we, you, you can't know everything. Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, that's what I like about this business is I learn something. I learn something every day. I learn something every day because there's just so much to learn. Yeah. So do you take in just like a lot of general knowledge to just, you know, kind of do what you do? Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a specialist in anything <laughs> um, except maybe in my case, just storytelling um, in relating these experiences to, to, to an audience. And um, I think, I think in that, I think that's actually kind of a specialty because again, I haven't seen anybody do it before and I wish someone would do it now, but no, nobody else seems to be doing it. Um, yeah. Just, just have a, just have a general knowledge of things. But again, you know, like, I mean, I just say to every, everybody has a computer in their pocket. It's a, it's a, it's a game changer. This is when you do, when you're doing this before the internet, it was just what you knew by what you saw and who you talked to and who knew about, them. you know, who knew, who knows about, yeah, uh, uh, you know, Rookwood Pottery. You know, who know? Oh, there's a guy here. You should talk to Ray. He knows about Rookwood Pottery, and then darn, darn enough, he, he certainly does, and he's a great resource. He still is. Um, so it have these like niche, niche interests. Uh, my partner certainly with uh, uh, you know the mid century modern, and they can just people talk about it like you know, like other people talk about uh, you know their favorite porn stars, <laughs> or sports, right? Just every little detail, like oh. 
um, just very like, anally retentive about it. But but no, I've just got a general uh, uh, line of uh, of interests. And as of late, I've been trying to sh- since the books have come out, I've been trying to share these things more more on, you know online. So uh, it can be you know a cabinet card from the 1880s. It can be a Fiorucci tin from 1980s. Um, and I. I don't know. I, th- I I just I just like that because I think it reflects people in general of just you know you can't there's there's no there's no one thing that kind of covers the waterfront. So, but I I just like showing people these these things and then they and then they learn from it. Um, oh, I, I this week uh, I did a <laughs> this is crazy, but I did a I did a TikTok for uh, JoJo the Dog Face Boy. It's a cabinet card, just a photo. Mm-hmm. People are familiar with that cabinet card from 1890. It's signed. Uh, and I think he was in, like in Lincoln, Nebraska, and he's 20 years old. So he's um, uh, the trichinosis, you know, where he's just all, he's all fur. His whole face is just fur. Um, and I know, I've known a little bit about him. And sometimes you'd, you'd find him in, um, he'd be presented very regally. Like Michael Jackson would always dress up in those those yeah. military outfits. Okay, well, Joe Joe the dog face boy was doing that in 1890. Um, so getting ready to do this, and then I'm doing some research on it. And then it turns out that <laughs> Annette Funicello did a song about Joe Joe the dog face boy. Hmm. I have no idea why. But uh, so of course that makes a great TikTok. <laughs> um and again, I dig it because I'm relating what I know about this and I'm showing this to people. And then there's something else that I found out about it. And then I've gotten comments from people going, oh, I had a, I had a card where he's dressed in military attire. And I go, those are the good ones. You've got a good one there, you know, or I didn't think he was even a real person. Um, uh, you get a lot of that again, because just, just history in general. I mean, if you think about it, you know, there's nobody who owns given the time, there's nobody who owns the estate of Jojo the Dogface Boy. So you'll see his image on training cards and plastic lunch boxes and clothing and all this because it's a it's unlicensed. There's nobody, there's no fee to pay. Um, so he's just like he's all over the place. I mean, and it's the I think it's cool that it's the 21st century and you know people know who Jojo the Dogface Boy is as well as they do Barnum, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, I was going to say when you brought him up, I was like, oh, I actually recognize this name, which is yeah. fairly unusual for me. <laughs> and, you know, I could go with, you know, there was La Lu who had a parasitic twin and I, mean, I could go on and on about, you know, some others and you go, I, I never heard of them, you know, uh, because their image hasn't been replicated. Um, and this, here, that's probably why Annette Funicello's producers said, hey, let's do a song. It's a terrible song. Um, but, but, but there's, she's got a 45 going, that's crazy. I, um, but I, again, that's why I love this business. There's just what, what, what other business could give you such joy of discovering something so bizarre. Well, yeah, and you get to see such a wide variety of stuff, which I think is probably what would keep me most interested is it's like, what am I even going to see today? Yes. Right. Right. So that's why I want to start, um, I've been, I've been, like I said, sharing these things online uh, in conjunction with books uh, because I just want to kind of get you know, people just excited about it and about their own things. 
and I mean, you know, that tends to be an oddity and people are interested in oddities and I've always been interested in oddities, but, but um, there's stories behind so many of these, these objects, if you're just kind of willing to listen. <laughs> yeah. I get one last question here and I'll get you out of here. Is there anything that you see, you know, popping up now that you think might have a place in the future or you're interested to see where it's going just anything in general where you're like, that might be something to watch for, you know, 20, 30 years from now. Like somebody should, somebody should keep an eye on that. <laughs> um, well, years ago, I was saying, you know, this, the, this, the 80s and 90s stuff. And uh, I've lived long enough to see vinyl come back. And who thought, who thought that would happen, you know, and be like a billion dollar business, like, you know, once, once, once again. Yeah. When um, everyone was making fun of it, cause they're like, I have MP3s now. Why do you even need CDs, right. much less vinyl? And now vinyl's, you know, the second largest music industry or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, and I, and I don't mean to dodge the question, but I go back to, it's just, I'm going to go back to, it's the quality. It could be almost anything but the quality has to be there. And I mean, really, when you look around about how things are made and even some very expensive things, you know, in our life are, you know, if you get the, the new, the new iPhone at $1,500, <laughs> you know, um, the money, the money, we, the money we spend on things. I, it's generally just, generally just the quality isn't there. Um, I would say to keep an eye on, fashion um because that's one of these things um that there's always new designers um and doing some really incredible things that are really almost more like art right yeah. um and there are there are stars and just kind of following that. And I think people have, I think people have done really well, even in, in, in the past in buying the right, buying the right clothing, but they're near the, and they were, they were, they were buying it to wear, but there's certainly investment level vintage clothing, things that will be, things that will be vintage. So I'd almost say like people should, people should watch the artisans, so, and that can be, that can be any number of things then that could be ceramics, but it could be, you know, I would really say that to look at the artisans and the designers first, cause they're still alive. <laughs> um, and that market, what's the resale of the, their merchandise now, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like looking for stars. You're looking for a star and you're looking for a star in, you know, it's an object, but whatever. Um, I, I, I would I would lean towards fashion because I could see that being some some really astronomical numbers in that you know museums now are just showing showing these having these incredible shows uh, about about fashion and it's a global thing it's not something limited to the United States we're kind of you know narrow minded here in that in that respect um, so that might be a kind of an unexpected answer but I would I would really be looking at 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 the people, at the artisans, um, 
and uh, and maybe somebody who's run who's living a wild life and might not be around too long. <laughs> there's, a, yeah. there's always that. I I mean I hate to say it, but you know those untimely deaths turn into money um, yeah. in in odd and curious ways. No, I mean that's what we talked about earlier, where it's like you want to have the peak market. Sometimes sometimes people die, and then yeah. like. Uh, hey, I cannot keep a Versace item in the store. Yeah. You know, and I'm very, very sad, very sad. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, what a genius. But that's kind of an example of like, but he's but his stuff was quality. His merchandise was amazing. And he and he really he was kind of coming into his own and doing that, you know, reaching and doing into ceramics and not just just that. So I, you know, again, I'm saying like look for stars. Who were you like just impressed with, which is, you know, watch them. And then, uh, um, and then you have to hear whatever you buy though, you have to take really good care of, right. It can't be in the, in the, in that wet storage locker. <laughs> exactly. No yeah. leaky attics, no flood. No leaky attics. You got it. You know, you got, you, you've adopted a kitten. Now you have to take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I have appreciated this immensely. Uh, I wanted to give you a little time so you can kind of plug your books and whatever okay. else you might be doing, just so people can find you if sure. they go looking. Thank, thank you much. Well, if anybody wants to uh, check out my store, uh, it's bam, B-A-M, Chicago.com. They'll, they'll take you right to the store. It's this 1939 furniture store. Um, play some videos. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we're now open Thursday through Sundays, our, our COVID hours. <laughs> um, on um, uh, Instagram, you can follow me at Selling Dead People's Things. Uh, and both TikTok and Facebook, uh, it's Dwayne Scott Cerny. Um, and uh, the first book we were talking about was uh, Selling Dead People's Things, which is on Amazon as a physical book or an ebook, um, and soon to be an audio book. In a, in a couple of weeks, Very working nice. on that. And um, Vintage Confidential came out last week. You can go to the website for that. It's just www.vintageconfidential.com. Um, that's out on Amazon again as a book or an ebook. Um, I think that's about it. You, anybody who wants to uh, email me, I'm at uh, thanklessgreetings at, at yahoo.com. Um, I'll take your odd questions. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for coming on the show. I, again, I appreciate it. I appreciate the time. I think this has been a super fun conversation. It's been great. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of the just dumb enough podcast. If you want to help the show grow, remember you can rate it or like it or leave a review wherever it is you're listening from. If you haven't already, please, please, please tell somebody that you know to listen to this show. It really helps get people on board, and word of mouth is the strongest form of advertising that is available on the planet Earth. Uh, right now I've got a lot of guests lined up, so I'm hoping to get some posts out. If you don't follow on social media, try and get on there. I'm going to try and be more active, get more interaction, get more listener questions, just get more of you, the audience, into the show itself. Uh, so you can send those to me on social media, post them on any of the posts, or email me, dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I know I said it at the top of the show, but I am still featured on Podbean, which is awesome, and if you haven't ever looked at their service or used their app, 
it's a great time to check it out. It's free to stream, and it's relatively reasonable, especially compared to some other services, if you're looking to host your own show. So here's a little ad read that they pay us to do. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host the Just Dumb Enough podcast. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out! And last but not least, the rankings for July are pretty much finalized, and it looks like number one, the United States, not necessarily shocking anyone, but brought down under 50% of the total audience for the first time, I think, in show history, which means I am now more international than I am domestic for me, which is a wild thought to have. Uh, The top states for July remain California and Indiana. Better luck next month, everyone. Number two, the United Kingdom, launching all the way back up to a strong second place after losing some ground earlier this month. Number three, Australia, led by Western Australia, which I did have confirmed to me is a state and not a territory inside of Australia. Number four, Canada with Quebec beating all of the rest by a healthy margin. And number five, New Zealand, hanging in there despite the healthy and hearty efforts of some strong competition. That does it for this week. I'll see you all in July, and I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully we'll get some bonus episodes going. Until then, I'll see you in the next episode. Buh bye bye